0: Welcome to the Upgrade Media Podcast, where we talk to the people shaping the future of news media. In this episode, we talk with Ezra Ehemann, Change Director at Media House. In addition to titles like De Telegraph in the Netherlands, De Standard in Belgium, and Aachen Zeiten in Germany, Media House is also the leading print and digital media house in Ireland. The titles including The Irish Independent and The Herald. Ezra tells us about the need for change and the all-important discussions you have to have with the newsroom. He muses on the metrics that matter, newsletters, and above all, the arrival of AI and its implications for newspaper design. Ezra, given the pace of change these days, can I just check that Change Director is still your job title?
1: It's still the official title and it's a title that comes with, I would say maybe some question marks, but it's it's really at the center of what I'm doing of course. it's the company I work in Media House is in the midst of a big transformation and rather than calling it a transformation director, they call it a change director but I'm somewhere a bridge figure between our newsrooms, which we have quite a lot of and our centralized technology organization that thinks about the kind of system and tools, technologies, as well as the processes that these users might need for the future.
0: Some time ago, you described your role as a bit of a blessing, a bit of a curse. How's that curse-blessing ratio going at the moment?
1: I would say it shifted more to a blessing than a curse. uh, But it's, it's always if you come into a new company, certainly a company decides that we have over five thousand people different newsrooms in different countries and you come in with a, a title that says change <laughs> there's bound to be some some question marks like what is the change about what do you will it do we we want to keep our control the blessings of course that there is an opportunity and a willingness to to think about the future to reshape the company to look for opportunities of scale across different countries and titles and that's where I come in. And once you, they start seeing the kind of practicalities and, and the kind of tangible benefits that you can actually have by connecting the dots and finding out and figuring out what you want to do together, then that change becomes tangible. And then there's a real conversation. There's still friction because you have to give up a few things from from the past and go to new ways of working or consider a new kind of, of thinking but in a way, as long as you make that picture of the future tangible enough, I would say that leaves enough space to collaborate, actually.
0: Can you give us some examples of the kind of tangible changes where you've seen people's faces light up and think, I get it, this is going to make things better?
1: Yeah, I would say, uh, first of all, they have to understand the changing reality. And I would say most of the newsrooms that's already happening. So if you want to shift the newsroom, certainly in some of our newsrooms, which were still very much print centric, not so much that they were not living in the digital reality, but they felt the print product was at least the most valuable one. That's where they felt their work was honored the most because if you're featured on, on the front page of a newspaper, that really feels like there is value. But once you start showing them much more as well, the numbers that the actual traffic that they're getting is much more on mobile phones and it's increasingly even the revenue is coming from digital destinations. And if you bring that in a very tangible way, they start understanding that that's maybe where they have to put their effort and that the patterns there are completely different than what they they used to work for. So that's one thing, bringing that data in a newsroom in a way that makes sense for journalists, not just for people that look at the number of sales or, or data crunchers, but also just journalists who's reading my article, where are they coming from, where are they consuming oh, this out is on a mobile phone. Are your articles then really structured the right way? What's the completion time of these articles? Where do they stop reading? Could we change the way we structure them? Do we need kind of new tools for our storytelling? Do we need different publication times? Do we have to rethink our workflows? Are we starting at the right time? Should we start at nine o'clock or at six o'clock, at seven o'clock? What's the peak of our traffic? There's so many discussions that you can have with a newsroom based on their work and how that interrelates with their audiences. And I think that's the kind of conversation. They're interested in their craft, but they're also interested in who's reading them. And I think that's where you can make the connection.
0: So are there any particular engagement metrics that you would single out as having impact? And secondly, how do you share it? How do you have meetings? Do you have internal messaging? How how do you get the message out that this is what's going on? So
1: first of all, I don't work for one specific newsroom, and we have 35 newsrooms at at this uh, moment, and we're not necessarily all have the same kind of practice to share data, but we are converging on a few metrics that we think are important to uh, bring to the newsroom. One of them is attention time, because attention time is something that you clearly understand. It has a correlation with that the value that people attach to something, because in this time, attention is actually worth a lot. And if people pay attention to your to your news, it means they attach a certain value to it, it's much more than just if they clicked it or if if you reach them. It's the the time they invest in your journalism and in your news that that's something that a newsroom can relate to, and they can also work with it. They can break it down and see how comes that, uh, how do they collect that attention? Where does it come from? How do they go from one article to another? How can they broaden that attention? deepen that attention, enhance the frequency around it. So there's a lot of things that we can pull away from there, but it starts with a clear attention metric that we can also then use to report back to our boardrooms as well. So it works both in the newsroom and uh, in terms of bringing it back to our management and directors as well.
0: Do you try and have consistent metrics across them all, or have you encouraged them to do their own research, newsroom by newsroom? into what they think is most important.
1: We're currently rolling out because we're really a company transformation. We have a unified uh, approach to data in the term, terms of we have our own data tracker and data lake and, and analytics suite that we're rolling out across those titles. So from the moment they get on the media house stack, they get the same kind of dashboards and the same kind of data capabilities. As long as they don't have it, they might still have a proprietary own analytic tools. And then again, how they work with the data, that's not something that we try to shape too much. We help them to structure similar reports, but then how they work with it in the newsroom, how they translate that to their journalists, that's really something that we want to keep very much local. But the base, the kind of thing that they get out of the box from media house, that we're trying to bring to some consistency and a kind of shared language to look at things. But so it's an in-house tracker. We have an in-house data team and in-house data lake. We are, of course, sometimes working with third-party tools for specific analytics. But in terms of bringing that together and visualizing that to the newsroom or we bringing reports back, that's all in-house. So.
0: Who do you find yourself talking to most on your non-stop meeting rounds? Is it, <laughs> is it editors? Is it senior managers? Is it data people, developers? Is it everybody? Who do you find is, is most clamoring? for so your input as change director. Well, uh, th- there's a few
1: change directors at uh, Media House, uh, and I'm responsible for the newsrooms. And we have a change director for B2C as well as for B2B, because across our groups, we also have a lot of uh, B2C directors. I'm talking to the newsrooms, which means mainly to the editors-in-chief or the digital leaders of the newsroom. Sometimes there's a like deputy editor or there's a digital publisher or anything That's in the newsrooms that's very much related to steering the newsroom. And then on the other side, of course, our product teams and our product leaders. So the domain managers from our news domain that steer all our products and applications, as well as the editorial technology teams that maintain our editorial platforms and make choices for the future for our platforms as well.
0: What are the kind of headaches they give you most often? What do they come back demanding answers to or help with?
1: I would say our main challenge, and I think that's a logic challenge, is we, from a technological perspective, we want to make sure that things are scalable and we can maintain them and they're fast and they're reliable, they're very well interconnected and integrated. That's not a given, you know, we are a growing company and when we enter a market and we acquire new brands, they don't have the same kind of technology or the same kind of approach. So we still have a very fragmented landscape and we're trying to consolidate that and make that work better together. On the other hand, the, the newsrooms are looking for local flexibility. They're trying to have some kind of core journalistic identity, express it very well, connect with their audiences. And of course, from their perspective, that works best with the the solutions they know and they're familiar with, to trying to bridge that and and bring that back and say, okay, well, I think there's at least 80% of the things that you want to do you can achieve with our common stack and then there's 20% where we need to have flexibility on the front end in terms of visualizing your brand or in terms of having a certain storytelling experience which you can add on top of a platform and that's i would say that's the the balance like how much flexibility versus how much centralization do you need in a company of our size
0: you mentioned the visual factor and you've talked before about the importance of planning in a visual way by putting together elements and seeing how they interconnect. Is that a factor that you're introducing more and more integrated visual elements that may have a life of their own?
1: We have some of our newsrooms who are very eager, very digital and screen first. And I think a mobile screen is a a visual surface that you try to service as good as possible. I think the legacy of news, certainly printed news, design and the, the kind of writing was very much separated you wrote your your piece and you make sure that you had a very good narrative how that was translated in the newspaper that was a, a whole craft in itself i think in a, a new conversion newsrooms so you have to think as well like how how do i break my narrative and enrich my narrative so that it works on a mobile screen and that's very hard if you completely separate design and storytelling from the writing itself, it needs to be better interconnected. Doesn't mean that the journalists have to be able to design every element of a story, but at least have a a good dialogue from the beginning of the creation of your story. I I would need an element here. I need a good graph there, or I would like to have something that that's a bit more moving here to to explain a point. And that's the kind of storytelling approach that I, I certainly like to bring to newsrooms. And I feel that my audiovisual background really helps me to think in, in story blocks, kind of story elements, which works very good for a, a mobile device, rather than a, a kind of almost layout thinking of news
0: articles. How do you share that? You've got so many people under your remit and with so many different approaches. How do you help push your way of thinking to people who may not have thought about it before? How do you encourage them to start thinking that way? I'm very humble in, in that
1: sense that it's, for me, much more about spotting the opportunities, setting the narrative, and then finding people in our newsrooms who are also seeing that they're the ones that are already ahead and that want to to lead the change in their newsroom so it's connecting those people giving them the right kind of narrative showing them how things work in different newsrooms and making sure our best practices travel and there again a best practice is something that's already out there that you can prove and back with certain data and that's something that you can easily translate them to other newsrooms like Look, this format and the way it's presented, it works very well. You might want to try it, maybe adjust it or take at least some key lessons from there. So my role is much more connecting the right people and the right practices rather than preaching because preaching doesn't work. They have to feel they're kind of inventing and reinventing themselves. And just having that narrative and and a few kind of key inputs is more than enough to get them going.
0: Just for a minute, can I ask you not to be humble? Can I ask you to point to what you think of as as the successes that you would hold up and say, this changed structurally or concrete output or whatever it was, what are the things you look at and think, yay, we did that?
1: I must say, I came in just a year and a half ago. So I would hope that the long lasting effect of what I'm doing will become clear in a few years. But one of the first projects I had to take on is actually shape a narrative for our new CMS, which is a CMS that we're rolling out across the whole group from CBO.DX, the platform that we chose. The challenge was making sure that we wouldn't just roll out a technology or a platform. but We would replace current thinking about storytelling, current thinking about workflows, current thinking about anything we're doing and making sure that was future-proof, mobile-first, audience-centric, all these kinds of things, and doing that across the group. So having a shared narrative that later on, everybody would buy into and actually implement in their newsrooms. And that's something that we've laid that foundation there, and we will be rolling it out from next year on. We're now also already in conversation with our Dutch titles and our Belgian titles. So I'm very happy that we have that solid first foundation and everybody's buying into that. So that I would say the groundwork is done. Now the construction of the house is there. One of the other things that we try to instill as a narrative is working mobile first and having more mobile formats. And across the group, that's really exploded. Last year, I've seen a ton of experiments of new storytelling approaches in the group. And that's very local, but it's because there is a central narrative around it that everybody's trying to explore. And they, they share successes of, hey, look how we have here made a much more visual story format and how it works better now. And then you see the adoption or a newsletter that's just being sent out at different moments than
0: they did before and now has much more return of people. Do you have a system for showcasing when people think they've done something good, or is it still just elevator chats and, and talks in the cafe about what people are proud of?
1: There's a, a few communities that really handpicked to change with each other. So we have communities uh-huh. of experts and we have dedicated moments that we bring them together. My main dream is to to also have a good knowledge hub and a consistent way to document best practices in a way that is just easy to read and easy to translate to your own kind of so that's a playbook not so much i have to do exactly the same but rather I understand how it works why it works and how i can start working with it myself in terms of a, as a practice some of them are of course also starting new newsletters at certain moments or specific initiatives a few of them have been documented as well and presented outside a media house. I'm happy to send certain cases.
0: Are newsletters a growth area? And are you finding it's more and more niche newsletters? How are you working on newsletters? Is it driving subscriptions? What's the thinking?
1: Well, our Belgian based brands have always, they have been building a good database of contacts and from there I started newsletters very early on and were quite successful. So I think. Our Belgian brands currently have at least 15% of the traffic is coming from the newsletters, which is quite high if you would benchmark that. So then that's a
0: practice that we
1: feel we can learn our other brands, how we did that and how that approach might scale also in the Netherlands, in Germany, and where their newsletter strategy sometimes is not yet as far evolved as, as it was with the Belgian brands who started very early. That's one of the reasons that it's a key success in registering uh, people. So if you you were early in the registration game, then of course you have a a great database to work with. Uh, 15% of our traffic is generated by newsletters. If you do a benchmark in the industry, it's 2 to 5% or something. It starts, I would say, it starts with daily newsletters and then it builds on to more specific ones. Some are for subscribers, some are for our open newsletters... Once you start building that practice of newsletters, you can really see if you need another more tailored one to address either an audience that you didn't have yet or to superserve an audience that you're, you really want to bring together. We don't have so many niche newsletters. We do have some. We're expanding our regional and local newsletters and also personalizing them. So that's an approach that we're currently uh, looking into, the, the combination of personalization and local newsletters. Podcasting and audio is a big part of some of our uh, brands' strategy. So we have a few brands that are really audio, not audio first, but audio is a very big part of their portfolio, like NRC in the Netherlands. I would say they're, they're one of the biggest podcast makers. And at least in terms of audience, they have a very good size of the market. And in Belgium, we have the Standard and Niesblot, which are both really strong in podcasts. But it's not necessarily a play for all of our brands. It doesn't make sense. Maybe for very smaller brands to have a, a big podcast operation. There, I would say that's something that we're currently reevaluating. So there was a moment where video was more important in the company, but it was at the moment where everybody still wanted to make TV. Everybody was building an own TV studio in the, in the newsroom and that just doesn't work. You know, like that. The cost of running that is too high. What you're seeing now is, of course, there's a whole class of social video, which are lean, mean, and, and quickly made, which are more personality-driven, authentic. And that's something you can adopt as newsrooms. And we have a, one of our regional brands in Antwerp has now a lot of success with videos. So they're one of the, the first of our brands in our portfolio that's really expanding their video strategy and making much more of these kind of social videos as well. And social videos in terms of how they're shaped rather than how they're distributed. We're going to see how that works and if we want to expand that as well to other brands. So we do sometimes have these leader brands that take up a new kind of distribution or a new format. And then from there, we see could that work as well for some of our other brands. One of my main areas that I'm trying to have a conversation about with our newsroom is really how will artificial intelligence influence our newsrooms? There's an incredibly rapid acceleration of... AI tooling within newsrooms, and it's not just about automation, it's about augmenting your writing, it's about automating part of the publication. It might change how we make our newspaper, it might change how we publish and change our homepage, because partly that could be automated. So in that relationship, you have to understand how do we want to work with AI? What can it determine? What's what its role in creativity? What editorial values are attached to it? How does it change our journalism? There's a lot of things that we need to have a conversation about. That's certainly an area that I, I'd like to discuss further with our newsrooms to understand how they feel about it, how far they want to go with it, the kind of questions they have around it, as well as how do we do it in a very ethical and a good way.
0: So just concretely, for people who are unfamiliar with AI or still see it as science fiction, Are we talking about details like automatically taking the engagement metrics we were talking about before and using those to generate when and how content is displayed? Or are we talking about something even more sophisticated?
1: It could be that you design a few rules and it could be the kind of value you attach to certain pieces. As well as how well is it read and who's reading it. Uh, this could work very well for subscribers. So you have to define a set of rules that will determine how your articles are displayed, and then you could say for these pages or these zones in our website or in an app, they will be curated and actually populated by an algorithm rather than by a person doing this. That's currently not yet happening, but it's very well possible. The applications are out there. Same for how we'll build our newspaper. Do we still have to design and place every article on a page ourselves, Or do we weigh the article, and say this is important and these are three other parameters and now please design me 80% of my newspaper and I'll see to do everything myself. The, the big areas that I'm currently focused are mobile first, making sure that our newsrooms become more data-informed. And we talked about data and how we bring it to the newsrooms, and then understanding how they could be AI-enabled in the right way. And these are my three focus areas for the moment.
0: Thank you for taking the time to talk. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. And if you want to hear more about how media is reinventing itself, then please subscribe or head over to upgrademedia.fr and sign up for our newsletter.